and welcome to The Literacy Teacher's Life, a podcast for teachers and parents that gives ideas about how to help our children learn to love reading, writing, and all things literacy. I'm your host, Elizabeth Morphus, a literacy professor and a mom to two elementary-aged girls. Here we'll talk about thoughtful, creative, and realistic ways to navigate literacy learning so that your children will feel supported and seen in their reading and writing. Now, let's get this conversation started. Hello, and welcome to the Literacy Teachers Life podcast, the podcast for teachers and parents who are helping young readers and writers thrive. I'm your host, Elizabeth Morphus. This is episode nine, which is airing at the beginning of February. So I find this time of year to be a great time to focus a little bit more on writing, particularly having the kids write authentic pieces in particular genres. They learn to brainstorm topics that are meaningful to them and try them out for a little bit. Then the kids can select a topic that they want to write more about. And it's during this time that they learn more about the genre that is the focus. They also learn more about the mechanics of writing. For example, when to use capital letters and what punctuation would be best. They also learn how to make their sentences more engaging and clear to the reader. A few years ago, I was working with a group of fifth graders on persuasive writing. I modeled and did shared writing lessons on writing a persuasive letter to the school principal, asking for more time at recess. So while I was showing the students how to do the work on our shared letter, they were choosing different topics of their own to work on during this unit. A few students were trying to persuade their parents to get a family puppy. They were very invested in this topic, so it was pretty easy to keep them engaged and motivated during this writing unit. So to talk a little bit more about topics that are near and dear to our hearts, today's topic is bringing your own life into your writing. And to help me discuss this topic, I have the children's author and illustrator, Amy Young, with me today. So Amy is the author and the illustrator of the Sparkle the Unicorn series. This book is how I learned about Amy. My younger daughter is quite obsessed with unicorns, and I was looking for unicorn books and came across Sparkle. It's a great series about a girl named Lucy who sees an advertisement for a unicorn. The unicorn happens to only be 25 cents. And Lucy buys the unicorn. As Lucy is waiting for the unicorn to arrive, she imagines how beautiful and regal and well-behaved the unicorn will be. But when Sparkle arrives, Lucy gets a different unicorn than she imagined. So after reading a little bit more about Amy Young and how she finds her ideas, I thought it would be great to have her on to talk about how ideas for writing are all around us. So with that in mind, Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for coming to speak with me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really, really happy to be here. Oh, wonderful. So can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Oh, that's, you know, as you get older, that's a longer story each time. But I think one of the things about me is I always loved to draw. When I was really little, I was just always, always drawing. I didn't really like to write, but I like to draw and I like to tell stories with my drawings. I majored in art and I got a master of fine arts. And then I realized I didn't really want to be a regular fine artist. I didn't like the whole gallery scene. And it just, I don't know, it wasn't quite me. It wasn't that good a fit after all. And 
I ended up going to law school because my dad was a lawyer and he really liked it. And I thought, well, maybe I can work part-time as a lawyer and then part-time I can do my art, not worry about galleries and all that stuff, just do my art. So I did that. I went to Harvard Law School. I was a lawyer for seven years and I really was not very happy doing it. Even when I was doing it more part-time, it was just, uh, I just missed doing art too much. I thought I'd sort of grow up and just not do the art. It's like, no, this is part of who I am. I can't not do this. And so I saved up as much money as I could. And I started reaching out to other art-like people. And I realized that illustration was maybe a really good fit for me. And I had some friends who were doing illustration for magazines and newspapers. And I followed their lead. And I really liked that. So I quit law and I did that. And after a few years, I just realized I would love to illustrate a kid's book. Because Partly, I, I really like kids. I like to talk to kids. I think part of me is still a kid. And I also like the idea of a longer project. So it took me like 10 years to actually get my first book published. It's not an easy thing to do, as most people know who've tried it. But since I got the first one done, now I have you know editors who will read my stuff <laughs> and look at it. And I, I think I've done about 16 or 17 books now, something like oh, that, wow. since when I started in around... 2000, I guess I started more or less. Oh my gosh, that's great. So that's the kind yeah. of a quick version with some yeah. of the dogs. <laughs> wow, that's great. You have a very interesting background with so many fun things. Yeah, lots of yeah. lots of different things. <laughs> Which is good though. So when I read about your background, I loved how you were so upfront and honest about how you get ideas for your writing, which can be so challenging for kids. So can you talk a little bit about how you get the ideas for your books? I can, but the first thing I should say is right now, I'm trying to come up with a new story or new series, and it's hard. <laughs> you know, it's not easy. And that's my first thing. I mean, anybody who's trying to write a story and write a really good story, it's not easy. That said, my first book that I wrote, it's not in print anymore because it's such an old one, Belinda the Ballerina. Mm -hmm. It's about a ballerina with really big feet. And I got this idea when I was still a lawyer, and this idea just popped into my head. Uh, I was eating dinner with my husband one night, and I said, I have an idea for a story, and it's about a ballerina named Belinda. She has big feet, but she's really graceful. And I, I realized I better write this down or I'm going to lose it, oh which God. is a very key point. And so I was writing it down really quickly and drawing these goofy pictures to go with it, and that became my first book. And it didn't change. The words actually didn't even change that much from when I was just scribbling it down. That's the best when the ideas, they just boom, they pop <laughs> into your head. But you kind of have to lay the groundwork so they will pop into your head. So I've been thinking about kids' books for a long time. Mm -hmm. It didn't just pop up into my head out of nowhere. I'm sure I'd been thinking about a lot of things. And in fact, one little girl, when I was doing a school talk, I read this story. And Belinda has the big feet, but she's a really good dancer. But she uh, auditions and these critics, they're so mean. They say, oh, your feet are too big. You'll never be a dancer. Go home. And so she just gives up. She quits ballet. There she is. She's quit. Oh. She's miserable. And eventually she comes back to dancing and she realizes, I don't care what the critics say. I just got to dance. And it's a happy ending. And this little girl said, you know, that's kind of your story. Because they had asked me about. Yeah. You know, by being a lawyer, I'm like, oh my gosh, it is. Oh I gave gosh. up art. I was like, I can't do this. And I didn't even realize when I 
thought of the story, when I did the story, I didn't realize it was my story until this little girl mentioned it. What a great story. I know. I know. When you say, you know, you write things from your life, sometimes it changes a lot in the Mm -hmm. final form that you write it. But now, so I was thinking a lot about what you're saying, because I'm in this kind of stuck place and I'm thinking, okay, well, what are the things that I do? And if whatever you're doing isn't working, usually you try it for a while and then you try something else. Oh, and one other thing I should say is I write a lot of stuff. I write a lot of ideas. I keep notebooks. I keep these notebooks and I draw in them a lot or I write little story ideas with drawings and pictures as a cat who's dreaming about you know, all the fish it can possibly eat. And, and of those ideas, maybe a handful, I'll actually turn into stories. And of the stories I write, you know, one out of 10, maybe will be publishable and maybe get published. So, I mean, that's just the way it is. It's not like, oh, no, I failed. The first story I wrote didn't become a published storybook. So you just have to accept that you're just you want to just live in the land of ideas and stuff. And so for me, what I do is I keep all these notebooks. If I were a very organized person, I'd probably have one notebook, but I'm not a very organized person. <laughs> I have notebooks all over the house. So when an idea strikes, I can just pick it up and, oh, but there's an idea. There's a boy who's half cat. That's cat boy. Oh I don't gosh. know what his story is. I don't know if there is a story there, but I just start drawing things and sometimes writing things. And I've been having a little more trouble lately trying to come up with my latest story. So I, I'll do writing prompts. So what I've been doing now, and this is something that I think could work for kids if you adapt it a little, maybe mm-hmm. simplify it a little, but this wonderful, wonderful woman named Linda Berry, she does these comic strips sort of for adults, but she also teaches creativity workshops. And I think she's just brilliant. And one of the things she suggests doing is a little like a journal. Every day you do this thing. So you have things I did, things I saw, things I heard, and then a little drawing. And it's like, you know, seven to 10 for a kid, maybe you do three to five things I did. So they might be really boring things. And one thing, I did a little stretch for yoga. I ate cereal with fruit. (laughs) I ate way too many Christmas cookies. (laughs) And then for things I heard, it's really you hear just things you overhear other people say. And the funny thing about this is it's, it doesn't feel particularly creative, but the more you do it, the more you kind of maybe add a little detail or you just realize, so one day, you know, somebody said, I know what I'm going to cook for dinner. Another day, somebody is talking about Morse code and how you don't learn it by studying it. You learn it by hearing it. So they were saying the word for, or the sign for C is catch it, catch it. And I thought, that's really interesting. To me, that's really interesting. So just over the days, then you go back over it and you're like, you start getting ideas. It just starts moving the ice jam. And so you start, once the ideas are flowing, they're more likely to flow. Mm -hmm. So I can tell I'm getting closer to a story because things are just, it's more fun. I have to find the place where it's kind of fun (laughs) and the ideas are coming. And then I'll get that bang out of the sky. So my sparkle, the idea for the sparkle book, I don't know if you had these when you were a kid, but when I was a kid in the back of comic books, they had these ads for things like sea monkeys and x-ray glasses and you send away. And so sea monkeys, there's this big advertisement and it shows 
they're like these little people with tails. <laughs> and it says you can train them and they'll do tricks. It's a bowl full of happiness. Mm-hmm. It's just the coolest thing. And you send away your dollar to the street name is actually Unicorn Way, which I didn't realize. Oh, my gosh. And when you get the sea monkeys, so you spend your time thinking how fun it's going to be. You get the sea monkeys. And they're really, really disappointing. <laughs> they're these little brine shrimp. They look kind of like spiders in the water and they you can't train them. And they're really not very fun or responsive. And after a week or two, they die. So I was just walking my dog one day and I thought, what if you saw an ad like that for a unicorn? And you think you're going to get a unicorn. What kind of unicorn might you really get for your 25 cents? And that's the whole story just was in that one, oh my gosh. one thought of that ad. That's and amazing. I had written like, five or six other stories that I was discussing with my agent. Maybe this one would work. Maybe that one would work. Mm -hmm. And then this story just came to me. I'm like, oh no, that's the story. So it's kind of a mysterious process, but you have to kind of do the work of, for me, keeping these notebooks is really helpful. And I love that you keep them all over the house. I think that's (laughs) such a great... No, but I, I keep paper all over the house for my kids to draw on. And it's funny because I, when I ask them to tell me about what they, usually they're doing more drawing than writing. Yep. That's great. But I, I'll always say to them, tell me about your story. What did, you know, what is your story there rather than just tell me about the picture? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So like getting them in the, this, you're, you've shared a story even, you know, through the illustration just to get exactly. that language in their head. But I think yeah. it's so important just to have the materials all everywhere. <laughs> I think you're right. I think before mm-hmm. you worry about kids writing, you should just worry about them talking. So right. tell me a story. You know, yes. I'll tell you a story. Tell me a story. And maybe gave them story prompts like yeah. have a character and then some, they have a problem, a big right. problem. What's <laughs> their problem? And then what happens? And then what happens? And then what happens? Yeah. But then what happens? <laughs> and you can just start that verbally mm-hmm. and then maybe later turn it into a story. Right, yeah. right. Or start yeah. and then go to the illustration for kids and then Absolutely. take it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the the challenging part when in the upper grades, like third grade and up, they start to take away the illustrations because it's yeah. so important for you know, that many kids, they're visual, right? They they need the visual. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. I always even now I like <laughs> a book with some pictures. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. So what so- yeah, because you, you like to, it's, you're so visual. I'm just yeah. so visual. I really am. Yeah. yeah. Which is great. <laughs> and so many kids are. What advice do you have for young kids who are learning about collecting ideas from their lives? And I, I love that example you gave with the did, saw, heard. I think that's great. Yeah, I've just started doing that. And I think it's really helpful. Well, so I think having some kind of notebook or several notebooks, as the case may be, <laughs> is really helpful. And try to write something in it every day. And you can draw something too. And I I really like this did, saw, heard, draw. Not every day. I don't do it every day. And so let's see. I was thinking about things like have them make lists. Mm-hmm. Write a list of five to 10 things that you like. Five to 10 things that you really don't like. Five to 10 things that scare you. Now That's pick one. one of those things and just write a little bit more about it. Mm-hmm what it is exactly and why it scares you and how you feel when you're scared. Or you know, you give them as many prompts as they're open to. I think it's really, really important for this kind of thing to keep it fun and keep it non-judgmental. I mean, I, I went to law school. I'm all for rigorous analytical thinking and clear writing and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But 
if you get that inner critic developed too much, it'll just kill everything. Mm -hmm. And so if you're trying to have kids just do this on their own or parents do it with the Mm -hmm. kids or something that's sort of outside the regular school curriculum, fun, non-judgmental, I think are the hugest things. And even, you know, kids are a little reluctant, give them a reward. Do they like stickers? Give them a sticker, give them a, or, you know, you're taking away the screen time. So they'll do that give them a little extra, just give them something. Yeah. So they kind of get that little, yay, I got my little treat. <laughs> and it'll, over time, it's amazing how these things build habits, you know, good habits right. building on good habits. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then it's not so scary either. Exactly. Exactly. You just sort of do it. It reminds me a little bit of, I like to swim for some of my exercise mm-hmm. and every swimmer I know, when you first get there, jumping into the pool, <laughs> You know, unless it's really hot <laughs> summer, it's like, oh, oh, every time. And every time, as soon as you're in, you think, oh, this feels so good. Oh, I'm so glad I did it. <laughs> Writing's a little bit like that, even for yeah. adults and people who do it and people who love writing. There's that starting is the hardest part. Yeah. And if you make yourself start often enough, you just do it. Like with swimming, sometimes I, I trick myself now. I sit on the edge and I go, I'm going to jump in on three. And then I go <laughs> one, two, and I pretend someone pushed me and I go in on two. <laughs> And I do that with my art writing sometimes. I'm not, I'm not going to do a real picture. I'm just going to start doing some little doodles. And right. pretty soon I'm having a great time doing all kinds of things. Yeah. Let me see. I was thinking of other things for kids that are interesting. And some of these depend on the age of the mm-hmm. kid. But I've always liked the, um, you know, write a letter to your future mm-hmm. self. Oh, what that's you imagine a good one. Yourself doing and stuff. Yeah. That's really kind of amazing. And then they'll read it years later yeah. if mom saves it. And. You know, some things they'll probably be spot on about and some other things like, <laughs> oh, boy, did you have that? It's just fun. Yeah, and that's a that's good kind one. Of fun. Let's see. I was even reading. Another thing I always liked to do as a kid. I mean, I didn't consciously like writing as a kid. I thought it was hard. Oh, I started liking it around seventh or eighth grade when I had a, a history teacher who was a wonderful teacher. And she made a comment on one of my papers. She said, you're a very good writer. You're a better writer than I am. But there are a couple of things that are sort of getting in the way. And that was just like, whoa. And I loved this woman already. So praise from her. So it used to be, I'd get a paperback. I'd just read the grade. I wouldn't read any of the comments. (laughs) After that, I read the comments and it, you know, became a better writer. And some kids love writing, even when they're little. I think a lot don't. And so then the trick is just to try to make it fun. And eventually, yeah, I sort of became, I liked it without realizing I liked it for a long time, I think. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see yourself before that teacher said that? I'm so curious. Did you see yourself as a good writer? I don't think I thought about it one okay. way or another. I think it was just sort of assignments to get through. And I was okay. definitely aware that as I was getting into writing, mm-hmm. I was fully, fully engaged. Okay. But that thing of trying to go to write an essay comparing and contrasting yeah. Voltaire and this <laughs> and oh no. <laughs> but uh, after a while, I sort of realized I was complaining about it a lot, but I actually kind of liked it. Yeah. Oh, that's so <laughs> funny. Yeah. It took me a while. But so another fun thing for kids to do, and this might sort of depend on the age or not, mm-hmm. is writing from the point of view of someone else or something else. And it could yeah. even just be, you know, your computer screen. Does it, right. is it tickle it when it, when you touch it all the time? Does it get annoyed? Or, you know, someone that you, a baby or an mm-hmm. old person or uh, somebody you don't like right from their That's point good. of view and see what that does for you. That might be a good lesson all around. Exactly. And I say these things 
and then again, no judgment, no, right. just like, good job, you did it. Yeah. You know, you don't even have to read it. Right. That you can ask them to share it if they want to. And if they share it, you say, that's great, wonderful. You don't say, well, what about this or what about that? Unless they open the door to it. Yeah. You know, but generally, and this is what something that this uh, Linda Berry did in this workshop for adults. She would have you list 10 things, dresses. So it might be your grandmother's dress, a dress you had, a dress your mother had, 10 dresses. Then you pick one dress and you write more about it. And then she would ask people to share their stories. And the role of all the rest of the class was to just listen with no judgment. And the way she had us do that is to just draw little spirals, little concentric circle spirals. Because if your hand was busy and you're trying to get the lines as close (laughs) as they could be without touching, it kind of engaged that judgmental part of your brain. And then she, when she was listening, she would sort of put her hands down on their desk and have her head almost at their head level. And then they finished, she'd just say, good, good. Oh my gosh. And like, this is not how it was in law school or anything <laughs> else. And and it was so freeing. It was yeah. so nice. And so I've never done that with kids, but it seems like, yeah, why wouldn't it work with kids? Because so much, they have to do so much for school and tests mm-hmm. and this and that. So much they're graded on and so much they have to be. There's right. so much to learn. But if you can kind of keep part of this writing stuff just fun. Yeah. I think that's great. And that's also why I don't have any one thing, like make them do this yeah. did something every day. Because as soon as it's not fun anymore, yeah, move away. Find something fun. Find something that works with that kid. You know, yeah. Find what their interest is and start there. That's what I love about writing is really you really learn what kids love through their writing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and what they're thinking about. And mm-hmm. sometimes you're just so surprised. Yeah. <laughs> and, what, and what deep thinkers they can be, too. Yes. You know, yeah. yeah. When you might not realize it. Yeah. Yeah. I think they probably surprise themselves. Let's see. So I was thinking of other, like, just prompts. And these are mm-hmm. things I do for myself uh, that adults do. So I like the lists. Um, oh, this idea. I was just going online. You know, I look for ideas. And some of them, I think that would never work for me. But this one, I thought, that sounds like a great idea to do with a kid. And because your, your question was, what can a parent maybe do with their kid? Mm-hmm. And I imagine this parent standing over their kid saying, <laughs> do your writing. And that's kind of doomed to failure. Isn't right. it? But what if the parent says, okay, I'm going to set a timer for one minute. I'm going to start a story. You start a story. Ooh. And we're going to write for one minute. After the minute, you change story. And you write for another minute. And you do it until the stories are it's done. And Oh, I love that. I mean, I've never done it, but doesn't right. that sound like a great gonna, idea? Yes, it does. Yes. I'm going to try that with my older daughter. I think yeah, she would like it. You're part of it too. Yeah. It's not like you're just standing by making her do the work. You're, right. I'm doing it yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and it, that I could be that fun in class idea. too, to have the kids do that, the way yeah, they can swap with each on. other. Yeah. Yeah. It would sort of depend, I think, on the class dynamics. Mm-hmm. And that's why all of these, you have to calibrate to... You know, some kids just can't write at all, and some are really good writers. Well, I right. don't know. Maybe that could still work. One just writes one sentence, and one writes, one writes five. But you have to get that whole no judgment, judgment thing. But yeah, you sort of have to. I thought it might be fun in a class, but you sort of have to see. And that's a nice, but if you're doing it with a, a parent and a child, that's a nice, it's also nice for like a bonding experience. You know, you also get to see the insight of your child, and exactly. you might not know it. Exactly. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, a whole family doesn't exactly. have to be just one parent, one child, make everybody do it. Right. And, uh, right. 
And that might be, be really fun. The sullen teenager. It's like, no, you got to do this for five minutes. <laughs> See what they add. Exactly. I love I that, that idea. Like a great idea. That's a great one. And then um, one idea that, you know, is used in a lot of different settings is you give a first sentence and then you say, and, and then what happened? And then what happened? Or, and then you might even add, but then, right. <laughs> but then, oh, that's something different. And then what? And then what? But then, and just because generally a story structure, character, mm-hmm. problem, obstacles, and then the character solves their own problem. And if kids yeah. can understand that general format, you can tell them try to write something in that format. And it's, it's sometimes it's hard because it comes out very stilted as writers find constantly, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's sort of a good way to get yourself thinking about a structure. Yeah beginning, middle, end, all that stuff. Exactly. And it's a way to teach the elements in a, include them in writing in a fun way. Yes. Yeah. A little more organic too. Or then some stories are just circular. So you just end up where you began, or sometimes you end up where you began, but there's a little bit of a change. You know, you give a mouse a cookie. Yeah. (laughs) And then back there. All the way back to the beginning. Exactly. All the way back to the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm curious because you are an illustrator, an artist, and a writer. How do you start when you're working on a children's book? Do you begin with the the writing piece or do you begin with the illustrations or is it a combination? For me, it's almost always a combination. I mean, a lot of times the idea will come just, but as soon as I start writing, I start doing little sketches. Okay. And because since I am in control of both, they affect each other. You know, like mm-hmm. if there's a big leap action, I'll sort of realize, oh, I want that to be a whole page. And so I don't want too many words here. And I want to, I don't try to overthink it, but I just start putting in those little sketches. And then I kind of leave the sketches behind because the writing might change a lot. And I don't want to get too invested in the stories and in specific illustrations until I know what the story is. So then I focus on the writing. And when the writing is set, then I start doing all these little sketches again and then putting together these little dummy books. Oh, I should tell you what a dummy is. Do you know what a dummy is? No. Let me see. Let me. I can grab something for you (laughs) here. What do I have? That's an old one. Sparkle. Okay. So here's a dummy from the first sparkle. So I've got the words figured out. And it's time to think about the pictures. And I just make this, I just glue little pieces of paper together. And I tell kids, you know, a dummy is like a, not a real person. It's like (laughs) a person, but not a real person. A dummy book, it's not a real book yet, but it's like a book. So you, you put the words where they go on the pages. Mm -hmm. So there she is reading the comic book. And the thing about these is they can change. So you can see Lucy had a ponytail in the beginning. Yeah. And in the final book, she's, and my editor was like, uh, I don't know, she doesn't, it was at first just a little ponytail and you, it almost looked like she was bald. And she said, little girls don't go for the bald look. And suddenly <laughs> I just realized, I want this curly, you know, frizzy, wild black hair. <laughs> and that really fit the character yeah. for me so much. So, so anyway, things change a lot. So I had her making cupcakes is sort of very complicated scene and it ended up being much simpler just things like that so that's a huge part of my process the dummy is just massive because that's where the words and the pictures really learn to live together so it's a little frustrating when i'm 
illustrating somebody else's stories, which I don't do very often because a lot of times I'll think, I would have put this differently. I would have even maybe shifted the whole story a little bit because it would have done this to the pictures. And yeah, I don't know if it would have made it better or worse. It's just how I would have done it. Right. So I won't illustrate something unless I really, you know, I like the story and I feel like, yes, I can work with it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 And it, it shifts your process then as well. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. Yeah. I once got an offer to illustrate a story by a, a well-known writer whose work I really like, but this particular thing, it just didn't sit well right with me. Oh, yeah. It was sort of about a kid who goes around like hugging everyone and that was a good thing, but I don't know. Yeah. It, somehow the way it was, it's grumpy old man and and the way we're so much more conscious of mm-hmm. do is touch consensual or not of right. even for kids, especially for right. kids. I just just didn't sit right with me. And so I, I said, I'm sorry, you know, I love this yeah. writer, but not this book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. So interesting. Because I every now and then I look around and I see did that book get done with another illustrator and I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna I was thinking, I don't know if I've heard of this book. <laughs> Oh my. So do you have any other suggestions or any other, you know, pieces of your writing and illustrating life that you would want to share that would be helpful for kids or for teachers? Let's see. Well, oh, I I love the thing that you said about the kids and I totally know this because when, when I do it myself, they say nothing happens, nothing interesting yeah. happens. So, you know, it happens to me when I do and they think their lives aren't, aren't interesting. I mean, sometimes I'm just home all day and <laughs> I go for a walk and that's as much as happens. But still, you start writing down the mm-hmm. things and over time they build up. But the first book that I wrote beside that with somebody else was this Spike and Cubby's Ice Cream Island Adventure. Oh my gosh. And unfortunately, it's not still in print, but I love this book. The woman who wrote it mm-hmm. is Heather Sellers and she's a, a writer, a poet and a writing teacher down in Florida. And she said, do you want to do a book together? Normally, my first response would be no, because people (laughs) haven't done kids' books before. They just don't understand Mm -hmm. the genre. It's just fraught with it. (laughs) But I thought this could work. And so we sat around in the summer. We'd meet like once a week. And we'd say, well, you're supposed to write about what you know. What do we know? I had a black dog named Mm -hmm. Spike. She had a little corgi named Cubby. I was learning to sail. Spike's favorite thing in the world was Ice Cream Island. So we're like, okay, we need a story. And Spike was just very exuberant. He's a black lab all over the place. And Cubby was this rescue corgi who was kind of very intelligent, but very a little concerned about things. And so it was like, okay, and this is writing what you know, but kind of encourage kids to take what you know and then really go with it. So Spike is an artist and Cubby is a writer. Oh my gosh. And and they're writing a book and Cubby's stuck. And Spike says, I just heard about this new place, Ice Cream Island. We got to go. And Cubby's like, oh, I'm not sure it's such a good idea. Come on, I'm coming <laughs> over. So they go. Do you mind if I take you through my little story like yeah, this? Please I was just do. reading it the other day. I'm like, I really liked this story. And they get to a place that rents sailboats. But uh, there's a ferry, but there are no dogs allowed on ferry. The ferry is run by cats. Oh, I mean, no. So you talk about humor in books, <laughs> yeah, things like yeah. that, you know, can <laughs> be just in the illustration. And Spike says, oh, look, there's a sailboat. We can rent a sailboat. And Cubby's like, do you know how to sail? 
oh, sure, how hard can it be? And there he is, very excited. And pretty soon, Spike's just so excited about going to Ice Cream Island, he's not paying any attention. Cub is reading a little book, Sailing for Dogs. It's fun and easy. And then, and and then, and then, and then all the obstacles, the things getting bad. And then there's a storm. And Spike doesn't mind lightning, but he hates thunder, which the real Spike (laughs) did. He hated thunder. And so then Spike is a complete wreck. And Cubby is trying to steer the boat all by himself. And then (laughs) Cubby gets flung up into the wind. Spike is dropped into the roiling seas of Torch Lake. And you think things can't get any worse, right? That's as bad as it can get. And then Spike's disappeared. Oh, no. So that's like the worst. That's just, but it's a kid's book. It's not going to end there. (laughs) Spike's there. Everything's okay. They find Ice Cream Island. It's really great. Hubby has a, what does he have? A perfection parfait. And Spike gets a spumoni bumoni grand day. You know, we just had so much fun with these characters. This little kind of persnickety one. Everything's simple. Vanilla ice cream and Spike who gets the works. <laughs> and like, this is what our dogs would have been like if they had been they people. Were, so it was, oh, that's so it was funny. very easy to stay true to the character. So that's kind of a thing I think about. If a kid says nothing happens to me, well, what if you just push it a little, yeah. you know, so you like to do this. And instead of, you know, so it's not just you like to eat ice cream. There's this whole ice cream island. Right. I don't know. I like that. I like that. Just sort of adding, supersizing your idea kind of. That book is such a great example of everything we want to do with, you know, for kids to do in their writing. That's such a great example. Yeah, I really like that book. I was sorry to see it go. But let's see what other kinds of things. Oh, you know, you asked about humor. Yes, I was in it. Yeah. Sometimes humor is little things in the illustration. So they find a fairy, but it Mm -hmm. says, you know, no dogs on fairy. And it's run by these really thuggish looking cats. (laughs) (laughs) And they just sort of skip over that. But uh, I think a lot of times for me, humor is like the juxtaposition. So the juxtaposition of most little girls, they have this vision of unicorns, you know, sparkly, this and that. But this unicorn looks more like a goat than a (laughs) unicorn. And by the way, I have to tell kids that historically, unicorns are part goat, part horse. I actually have a little slide that shows them this because they all think it's just a horse with a horn that's not true (laughs) and they have like a goat's cloven hooves and a goat's beard the horse's mane but anyway just the juxtaposition is funny and the fact that he behaves a little bit more like a goat than a unicorn but he still is magic and good things happen yeah this is a book i did don't eat the baby Mm -hmm. and that was inspired by quotes it seemed like i went through a period where Friends were becoming grandmothers or mothers, whatever. And they would just say, oh, I could see so cute. I could just eat him up. Right. And my own editor said, you know, that her talking about her newborn son, he's so cute, his big fat cheeks. I could just, you know, eat him up. And I, I wrote back and I said, don't eat the baby was the oh subject line and said, oh, he's so cute. And she said, that sounds like a story idea. Oh, my gosh. So this thing of. And all the quotes in that book are quotes I've heard people say about, I could just eat him up and swallow him whole and all these things. (laughs) And so there's this older brother who hears this and he's like, look, I don't like the kid. It's annoying having a little sibling, but that's just not right. Right. (laughs) So he saves his brother. 
So that's an example where quotes can inspire you. You know, you take it a step further. Don't just, um, or even that quote, I know what I'm cooking for dinner. What if instead of meatloaf, whatever it's, uh, I'm cooking dinosaur with all the trimmings or something, make a story out of that. Yeah. Let's see. I'm thinking of other inspirations. Oh, so misunderstandings also can, you know, um, Mm -hmm. be humorous. So don't eat the baby. He obviously misunderstands that. I was just rereading that wonderful picture book, Dragons Love Tacos. Oh, yes. yes, That one. Yeah. And that's so funny because, first of all, you know, you don't think tacos when you think dragons. And he's going on and on about how I like this kind of taco and that kind of taco. I really Mm -hmm. like tacos a whole lot, except... (laughs) <laughs> with if they have any green spicy jalapenos, I hate those. And you suspect this is based on a kid's liking, yeah. probably. So it's very really relatable for kids. And as the story goes along, you just know those little green jalapenos are going to be a problem, don't right. you? So there's this building and building, you know, they love tacos, they love parties. Even more, they love taco parties. Let's right. have a taco party. And you just, oh no, oh no. And yeah. sure enough, some of those green things get, and then everything just falls pieces. The house gets burned down. <laughs> so that's funny too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's great because you're also showing how the books can be mentor texts for kids, which is yes. by when you're explaining this is the building up and it shows, look, this is how the author did that. How can exactly. you do that? And exactly. like with the questions you ask the kids and this, and then what, or but then, what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, how yeah, you build yeah. things up, which is so yeah. nice. Yeah, and it's fun to do it looking at a real story because if you just mm-hmm. do it as this sort of model and you fill it in, it's not very lively. But if you look at really good examples. Yes. Yes. And because when I was writing, like when I first did the Belinda the Ballerina, I hadn't really read all those things about stories. I mean, I did a lot of writing as a lawyer. I was yeah. very <laughs> good at writing. and <laughs> But I, I think I just automatically put a lot of that stuff in because I'd read so much probably mm-hmm. and you kind of know what makes a satisfying story or not. The other thing, one other thing that's kind of funny about being a lawyer is people will say, oh, that's so different from being, you know, what you do now. In a way, it's not because what I did as a lawyer, I told stories. And the story was always, you know, this happened to my client and the loss is this and we should win. The story is always, and we should win. That's how it always ends. <laughs> But you have to persuade people. You have yeah. to describe what happened. Yeah. And you have to describe the law and how that applied to what happened. And that part of it was it was funny. It hit some of the same points in my brain, I could tell. Oh, that's yeah. so interesting. I never thought of it like that. But I yeah, know. just a different yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Just a particular genre. Let's see. I'm looking at my notes to see if there's other things I had thought about. You know, for me, and this is so hard to negotiate with kids. Like anyone, I can get kind of too caught up in my phone. I read books on the phone. I play solitaire. I, you know, check my email too much. And I will get to a point where I'll just say, put it down and not just put it down, but put it in another room because it's such a distraction. And if I do that over a period of days or weeks, I start to have more ideas. You know, I really do. When you put the phone down. It it does. But I wouldn't want to get in a war with a kid about that because that will make them hate it. You've got to keep right. that. Remember, not only not judgmental, but fun. Yeah. So instead, I think about, well, if we do this fun activity and mm-hmm. then you can play that game, I hardly ever let you play. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, that's yeah. for parents to work out with their kids. I don't, right. I don't, it's hard. I know that there are issues that weren't there when right. I was younger. You know, there's nothing right. else to do. So you're going to draw pictures all afternoon. 
Right. <laughs> or now you have the phone and the tablets. Yeah. And, yeah. and it is a, it's a draw. Yeah. It's hard to ignore it, I think, for me, right. for a lot of people. Right. And now with the kids having the devices from school, it's even harder. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot to navigate. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Well, I'm almost going to ask you what else works sure. with your daughters, you know, for writing. And- yeah. My older daughter loves to write. She just Aww. that she really does. And honestly, the speaking of devices, it's really nice. What helped motivate her very honestly was text messaging. She didn't believe my husband and me during the pandemic. She wanted to text my parents and we would type whatever she wanted to say. And then she, we would read it back to her and she didn't believe us. So that was her motivation to read and then to write. But she learned about writing what, you know, how it will come up if you start writing a couple letters that auto generate some words. And that really helped her with both reading and writing. So it's again, like a device, it can be a tool, you know, how, how you use it. So that was very motivating, but she just, right now she's writing a story about gymnastics. Her, she took gymnastics this summer and in the fall, and she's writing about all the different all the different things you do during gymnastics. So she loves that. And in school, that's her favorite subject is, or that's her favorite is writing. Yeah. I love it. It's so wonderful. She's how old did you say? She's in second grade. She's seven. Second grade, so seven. Wow. That's impressive. So she just came home. Wonderful. Recently with a, a persuasive letter. She wants a hamster. And I am (laughs) less keen on getting a hamster. So she wrote a very persuasive letter about why a hamster would be so beneficial, not only to her, but to the whole family. The whole family. It's like a whole family. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So that was, we'll we'll see. So yeah, we'll see. We're taking the kindergarten class hamster home for the spring break. So we'll see how Very that goes. Very good. Oh, good. A trial run <laughs> hamster. A tri- That's exactly. Good. That's good. That's and good. My, my younger oh, love daughter it. loves to draw. So yes. lately, talk with materials all around the house. So right now, you know, she, and she is, you know, it's the relationship between reading and writing is just so fascinating is that when people say they, they shouldn't write yet. No, they have. That's, that's how they're more motivated to read. And, you know, she's writing basic sentences now something either her Olympia and a friend of hers, she'll do something and she'll draw the picture and then add the text. But she, I have post-it notes all over the house and they figured, and she found post-it notes for just in, like, if I ever need a post-it note, oh, I have just, them. Yes, yeah. Yes, just yes, like yes, just the post-it mean. notes. So right, she'll yeah. grab, she figured out that if she, t- so I was thinking your idea with the, or when you shared the dummy book, what she'll do is she'll take the post-it notes, take a bunch of them, pull them off. She's figured out how to use a stapler and she staples the sides together and then makes a book. And she's, it's great because she's taking what she's learned about storybooks, that there's the cover with the title and the, the author's name and an illustration. And she model like she's copying all that with That's herself great. as the author. And then there's yep. a story. Yeah. So it's just, you know, little things to keep them motivated. I always yeah. had them write the grocery list or especially during the pandemic because then it would clever. help with spell. Oh, I didn't realize carrot was spelled this way. And yeah, so it was different things idea. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And fairly non-judgmental. It's like, oh, it's this, not this. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or yeah. If, how do you spell this? And I would help, the, you know, help out. It also gives them an opportunity to see, oh, look, we use writing 
all the time. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I get from my students who are teachers is they'll say, oh, I read more than I write. And I'll say, really? Do you think so? And they, one of the things I have them do is keep track of all the writing and the reading they do across a week. And they're really surprised how much writing they come back. Oh, I actually do a lot of writing. And I said, yeah, it's just, it might not be an essay, but yeah, you are writing every day. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And being able to write well and persuasively is such a wonderful skill. It's such Mm -hmm. a wonderful skill. Yeah. 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 Because I always tell them, if you you can teach kids to write a really good sentence, that is such a wonderful gift that you're giving them to be able to do have that skill of writing. And I remember hearing, you know, if you can't think well, you can't write well, you know, sometimes it clarifies, like when I would be writing these legal things, I would think Mm -hmm. big big complex things and I'd be writing all this stuff, facts and law. And then I'm like, well, what is this paragraph saying? My client did this and it was okay because, and then, you know, what's the next one? I would have to get the main points of what was even being said, because sometimes you read people's writing and it was just a lot of lawyers can't even write well. You're like, I don't even know what he's trying to say. I don't know what happened. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about it. And you you want to be able to write clearly and persuasively and well and get that hamster when you need it. <laughs> we'll see if that works. <laughs> I hope it does. It'll be a very you know, wonderful boost to her writing career. <laughs> I got a hamster out of this. Exactly. I got it. Exactly. <laughs> And what made you want to become a writer? I got that hamster. <laughs> I got a hamster, yeah. Now, it's funny for me because if you ask me that question, I mean, I realized I did like writing when I was a lawyer. I was totally conscious that yeah. that was the part I actually liked best was the reading and the writing and the researching and all the stuff that yeah. as a kid, I thought, I hate that. And I was like, that was the fun <laughs> part to me. But for the kids' book writing, I, I thought I want to be an illustrator. And I would go to New York every couple of years with a portfolio and show it to art directors. And you know, it was very helpful. They could kind of point me in a direction. Some liked some things and some like others. But they all said, if you write, you'll get published a lot faster. Because if, oh, even if we love your illustrations, pairing those illustrations with a particular, you know, you're a new person, right. untested. And so that's what got me writing kids' books. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Forced into it, man. <laughs> <laughs> no choice. <laughs> and I, I then I love it. You know, I love it when it's not driving me crazy. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. This was so wonderful. This was great. Yeah. I hope to talk to you again sometime. Yeah, uh, this has been great for me. You made me think about a lot of things that were good for me to think about. Oh, that's great. So yeah. before we end, is there something going well in your writing life, in your reading life? And I can, I can fact. Oh, excellent. As a matter of fact, this isn't even up on my website yet, but at the end of February, oh noob, it's not a hamster, but it's that- three, three little guinea pigs. And someone else wrote this, Erica Pearl, and I illustrated it. And my editor oh my loves guinea pigs and has three. And yeah. uh, Erica Pearl loves guinea pigs. I like guinea pigs. We had some when I was growing up. Great pets, mom. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, it's sort of the three little pigs, obviously, but with some twists in it. And 
So that's coming up the end of February. And it's Oh my gosh, that's exciting. Yeah. So that's something that's going very well. But I'm always thinking about the next thing. So yeah. That's yeah. where I am now. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I can't wait to read that. Well, thank you. Thank you. And it's very, it's just been great to talk to you. Because oh, meet you, Elizabeth. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Yeah, Say hi right. to your girls. I will. <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, that was great. I loved hearing about Amy's books and her writing process and how she keeps track of all of her ideas with her many notebooks all over all over her house. There were so many ideas in there for how to get kids to write both in school and at home. So I hope this was helpful to you. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and hearing about Amy's process as a writer. So I highly recommend picking up the Sparkle books and Amy's new book coming out later this month, The Three Guinea Pigs. The Sparkle books are really fun books, and you can teach so many different reading strategies to emergent readers with her book series. I'll be back in two weeks and looking more at writing and what you can do with kids in terms of writing. So until then, I hope you have a great start to February, and I'll be back soon. And that's it for this episode of The Literacy Teacher's Life. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at the Literacy Teacher's Life. My email address is Elizabeth at the Literacy Teacher's Thank you so much for listening. Please tell a friend about this podcast. And of course, you can leave me a review on any podcast platform where you listen. I so appreciate it. I'll see you next time. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.